our idea was to try our best to encapsulate, you know, how we feel about our children as parents, but what we want for their lives. And then, you know, put it out in the world so that other parents can sing these same things over their kids. Welcome to the Habit Podcast, conversations with writers about writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. J.J. Heller writes lullabies with her husband, Dave, and she sings them for children, their parents, and the children inside the parents. Since 2017, the Hellers have released a new song on Spotify the first Friday of every month. One of those songs, Hand a Hole, grew into a picture book by the same title, released a couple of weeks ago. It was my pleasure to sit down with J.J. and Dave Heller. JJ Heller, Dave Heller, I'm so glad you are on the Habit Podcast. Back on the Hobbit, po- the Hobbit, the <laughs> Habit Podcast. <laughs> that sounds fun. My feet are nice and hairy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but thanks for being here. So y'all uh, have recently um, published a new picture book illustrated by Alyssa Peterson called Hand to Hold that is based on. A lullaby that came out when this when when was a lullaby hand to hold? Uh, we wrote it in 2018 and we released it that that fall. And with, and that was part of your project of releasing a song every month, right? Right. It was very near the beginning of that. Yeah, I, I want to circle back around to that idea because last time we we got together, uh, you had not been doing that very long, and here we are. A couple of years later, you're still releasing a song every month. So I do want to talk about that. Not yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, so this, this, is, this is not just a song, a, a little picture book that you have um, illustrated the lyrics to the song. You've expanded the original song. Tell me about that process and tell me how that, uh, the floor is yours. Sure. Well, um, we weren't even intending to make a book, but about a year and a half ago, we got two years years ago now. Wow. The time keeps moving. It just keeps marching off. Um, (laughs) We just got an email out of the blue from an editor from Waterbrook Publishing Company. And um, she said, hey, I'm reaching out to you because my husband loves your song called Hand to Hold. And he's been bugging me for six months to reach out to you to see if you'd be interested in turning it into a song. So I'm finally Maybe, following uh, into, a yeah, into a book. And I'm, so I'm finally following through with that. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so, yeah, Dave and I were not expecting it at all. And we had experienced self-publishing the book. Uh, we, we had uh, the privilege of working with an illustrator and kind of being the full bearing the full responsibility of art direction mm-hmm. and uh, and creating our own children's book when we made JJ's first lullaby album. And making that book was one of the most difficult creative experiences of our career. Mm-hmm. Um, it, moving from music into a visual form um, just has the potential for friction and conflict and um and so we found ourselves in a really tricky spot um 
trying to juggle interpersonal expectations and the relationship. And so when this opportunity came to make another children's book, we were actually pretty apprehensive Yeah, um, because we just didn't want to see that repeat. Um, when you say interpersonal friction, do you mean between the two of you? No, I think we just, we had a really hard time getting on the same page with our illustrator. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we, we went into it thinking it was going to be more like writing a song or making a record, just like very collaborative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he, that's just not the way that he worked. Um, so we, we would have a conversation with him about what we envisioned for each page, but then he would work on that page and kind of present us with the finished product. Or what uh, he perceived to be the finished yeah, product. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and, um, and so if we offered feedback, uh, he just took it really hard. Mm-hmm. And, and so we just felt like the bad guys all the time. I think he felt very insulted. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, we were just trying to navigate, okay, how do we try to make this book feel like it has our DNA in it without like completely making our illustrator have um, an emotional breakdown <laughs> yeah. um, and hate us. And, and so it was, it, it was really, really hard. And um, I think, you know, we looking back, we, we should have had more conversations on the front end, uh, kind of like, these are our expectations. What are your expectations? Yeah. We just yeah. kind of went sure. into it thinking like, oh, it's going to be like mm-hmm. making a record. Like, mm-hmm. well, you'll send us a rough sketch and we'll give our feedback and you'll make some tweaks and you'll, you know, give your input. We'll give our input. Well, I, I think the irony is that that illustrator had experience making a record of his own. And we had actually spelled out, we want this to be collaborative, like in a studio. Mm-hmm. And his experience working in a studio making his record is that his producer just sort of took control mm-hmm. and he just sat and twiddled the yeah, song. Which, so. which we found out later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. We yeah. were already uh, in the middle of the stream when, uh, when that happened. So, yeah, so you had a better experience uh, this time around. And you had, a, a, I'm sure, a better, a better sense of what to, how to talk about this from the, from the front end, right? Yeah, definitely. And we communicated with the publisher, like, look, these are our concerns. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the way that we like to work. Like we like, both of us really love to give our input on everything that we create and that we put out into the world. Um, And said, like, does that, does that work? Is, is that how this thing works? Is that possible? And, and they said, yeah, I mean, as long as we have a conversation with, Mm -hmm. The illustrator and and then they even said like if you have conflict with the illustrator then we have somebody on our staff who can serve as that liaison like you don't have to communicate directly with mm-hmm. her if you don't want to and mm-hmm. um so they just really set our mind at ease but i also think we had another six years of experience collaborating with other creators mm-hmm. by that time yeah and i feel like early in jj's career when we went into the studio when we had any kind of uh creative uh project that we were working on we really wanted our thumbprint to be all over it we wanted to to make sure that that people could recognize or that we could claim 
a decision, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like the longer that we've been making things, the more we've realized giving our fellow collaborators margin to actually mm -hmm. use their strengths as best they can yeah. um, really ends up creating a better product in the long run. Yeah. So we held this a little bit more loosely while also recognizing like these are the priorities that we have. And it, it was an incredible collaborative experience and uh, really very enjoyable. Yeah. And this, uh, this, the song originated as a collaboration with Andy Gullihorn, right? Yeah, that's right. And yeah. did he have any role in the, in the book part? Yes. Yeah. So when, um, when the publisher said like, we love the song as it is, but there aren't enough lyrics to fill out an entire story. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so we got back together with, with Andy and we kind of brainstormed about how do you fill out a song that already exists, uh -huh. uh, which was an interesting challenge. Yeah. And because uh, the song is really just all about like a blessing for right. our children. Yeah. Um, and so as we were thinking through the lyrics and what have we not said that we can say, um, we just had the thought of including the different seasons. Yeah. And so that was re a really, really helpful framework that made a lot of sense, you know, in the context of a book and like made space for some really beautiful, engaging illustrations. Uh -huh. I think, though, the thing that uh, that's really interesting about writing with Andy and what makes him such a great songwriter is that he self-imposes rules on the uh -huh. the the form and structure of the, the songs. That's right. Yeah. And, um, and he does that just in, in life in general. He make he makes up <laughs> games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and so he has a lot of fun with it. Like he turns songwriting into a bit of a game. Uh -huh. and I think that's not necessarily our natural inclination is like, how, how can we make writing a song even more hard on ourselves? <laughs> yeah. Know? Right. Right. Um, but in in some ways, it uh, I mean, definitely when it works, it works really well. And so, an example of that is is that um, one of the forms of the verses at the at the end of the verse, there's a phrase that normally incorporated um, uh, a noun. An example is uh, songs are made for singing, so it's sort of implying. This is what a song is made for, but, but then it says, "I'll sing this one for you," and and so it kind of like takes the uh, the verb "sing" and implies the the child audience, and then we kind of ended up incorporating that same form like later in the book, where I want to find a good example. Uh, God hears us when we're praying. I'll pray this over you. It, it's. Uh, <laughs> It's funny. That's actually a, a little bit too close to the uh, former example that I, I used. But like, um, it, we ended up incorporating these rules that Andy came up with that actually, I think, make for a deeper resonance when taken as a whole. Yeah, I it, it, I'd never made the connection between Andy's penchant for making up games and imposing rules on you know, activities 
with his song. I'd never made that connection before. Now I want to have him in an episode to talk about that. <laughs> Did y'all participate in his, uh, the uh, American Idol Fantasy League he made up? Oh, man. Uh, he, no, he, I... he told me all about it. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. It, like, what, I've, ever since I realized that, when we write with him now, um, sometimes I'll go out on a limb and say, like, hey, here's a form. Can we chase this down? Mm. And I kind of, I know that that's not necessarily my strong suit in making that connection in the back end, but I was like, I trust that Andy yeah. will be able to do this. Oh, that's right. Um, we just did that with our song, I See You. Yeah. So like, yeah, we have a song that's coming out in September of this year. And, uh, and we were able to do that again. Yeah. And it's sort of, it comes down to knowing who your collaborator is. It's like, I wouldn't have done that if we were writing with, with another songwriter who wasn't Andy, where that wasn't necessarily where their strength. Yeah. You know, those kind of, uh, those kind of formalisms and repetitions seem especially uh, relevant to writing for, for young, for a young audience. I mean, kids love that stuff. And um, yeah, I'm thinking about what Chesterton in, in Orthodoxy talks about the idea of of a childish delight in that kind of repetition that that maybe maybe God makes a sun rise every day out of a childish joy and pleasure mm-hmm. and seeing that and doing that over and over again. And, you know, our kids are always saying, "Do it again." <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you know, as a child, so many things are out of your control. Yeah. And so many things are new, and you're just constantly learning. And so I think there's probably a feeling of empowerment when something rhymes because they can think, Oh, I know what's coming. Mm-hmm. This is going to do this. And then, it, and then it does. And then, yeah. you know, and they can delight in that. Yeah. Um, have you all, I bet you've done some thinking on the connections between um, a, a bedtime lullaby and a bedtime story. Like mm-hmm. when, I, when I heard y'all had a, a picture book out, I thought, well, of course, right. <laughs> Um, it, it makes perfect sense that the Hellers would be doing a bedtime story. <laughs> I think that a really interesting thing is that we have found that JJ's audience of young listeners, uh, uh, like gravitates to her music primarily because her music resonates so strongly with their parents. Hmm. Um, and so we actually spend most of our time reflecting on what a parent would want to say to their child Mm -hmm. or speak over their child or reflect on their experience of parenting. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the kids get to enjoy the material because they're sort of the subject. Um, Oh yeah. But our primary passion is speaking to parents and telling them how much gravity and meaning is in, involved in the process of raising up a child. Um, and so it, it, it actually, it sort of feels like a bit of a byproduct that like that kids enjoy music because uh, of, of course we have them in mind, but they're not necessarily the primary audience that we're shooting for. Yeah. Huh. And these are little liturgies that you're offering to families, right? Yeah. It's bedtime. Let's listen to a, let's read the story. Let's listen to this, this lullaby. And, you know, here's, here's a blessing, you know, the, the, the hand to hold, you know, each, if I'm, I did, 
every page, if I'm not mistaken, starts with may you, may you. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if it's every page, but the, the sample pages I saw. Yeah, it's, that's, that's the chorus of the song. Okay. Um, so, so in the book, we go back to that little section three times. And, uh, it's, and it's how the book ends as well. Uh, okay. So I'm mistaken that every page starts with may you. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad y'all were here to correct me. I, I would to send out misinformation. Um, yeah, I think um, we have definitely recognized that that time that parents spend with their children right before going to sleep is a very uh, rich and meaningful moment in the day. The kids normally let down their guard a little bit more. They're a little bit mm -hmm. uh, less inhibited. Mm -hmm. um, parents are really trying to make a connection as, as the day is slowing down. And so uh, not only do we have you know, a, a, a book that parents can read at bedtime, but like JJ's been developing these I Dream of You albums that they're uh -huh. orchestral um, productions that, that we've been doing. So we've got I Dream of You, volume one, two, and three. They're uh -huh. all kind of created to make this bedtime experience a, a sacred mm -hmm. moment, a, a, a ritual, a, uh, a time of reflection for parents and children and something to really look forward to. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, especially with young kids, you get to that point in the day and normally as parents, you're just fried. You're just mm. like, please go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> please. Yeah. Um, and so part of the idea behind Hand to Hold is, is just a reminder to the parents at the end of a long day, like, your role as a parent is sacred and mm. there are so many beautiful things about being a parent. And so that's what a lot of my music does is, is just remind parents what a gift it is to be a, to be a parent and to care for these like little souls that are growing up. Um, and, and so it kind of like taps into that, um, the sentimental side of parenting, like, oh, yes, yes, I love you. <laughs> you know? Like, yes, this yeah. is your gift to me, you know, because when you are at the end of your rope, it's just like you just feel so fried. Um, yeah. And so the, these songs in this book, I, I think my hope and my prayer is that it will kind of recalibrate that yeah. mindset around parenting. And again, that's what liturgy does, right? Liturgy, I have, this, I have this thing that I say that I may or may not feel right this minute, but it's true. Yes. And then I, I adjust my reality to this, to this reality. That's right. Um, I love that. That's great. Um, JJ, I, I, I guess on your website or somewhere, I've seen you talk about the idea of giving parents words for what's, you know, what's true, the things they know to be true that they may or may not have the words for. Yeah. Uh, could you say a little more about that? Cause I, I love that idea. Sure. I mean, it's, sort of I mean, what, it's sort of what all writers do anyway. Yeah. Right? I'm taking the time as a writer to think through some things that are, that you as a, as a, a fellow traveler in the world may or may not have had time to really think through and put into words. 
Yeah, exactly. And and that kind of goes hand in hand with what I was just talking about, about being fried at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, we, because we're songwriters, had the bandwidth and like the privilege to just sit down in a room with Andy Bullhorn for like three hours mm-hmm. and think through what are the things that we want to communicate to our children? Like, what do we love about them? What do we want them to know more than anything else? Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were able to kind of craft this song with all those ideas and came up with this idea of, of a blessing, you know, may you never lose the wonder in your soul. May you always have a blanket for the cold. May the living light inside you be the compass as you go. May you always know you have my hand to hold. And so like our idea was to try our best to encapsulate, you know, how we feel about our children as parents, what what we want for their lives. And then, you know, put it out in the world so that other parents can sing these same things over their kids. I think one of the other things uh, that's actually part of JJ's bio that it took us a really long time to kind of put our finger on is that inside every adult is also a scared little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, we just had a conversation with Ian Crone, um, who's like made the study of the Enneagram, like this huge part of his life. And at the heart of the Enneagram is all of these kind of like childhood masks that we end up developing because of some fear. Um, It's some sort of coping mechanism that we come up with in order to shield ourselves from what we're afraid of. And so we as songwriters have also decided we are going to speak to the child who's behind that mask. Mm. Um, and, And so that could be a literal child or it could be an adult who has a child inside them. Um, and, and so we really, we value the opportunity to explore that with our, our fellow collaborators and, the, and that there's an audience who's willing to listen to what we have to say about it. Yeah. I, uh, even when you said um, that, that first line, may you never lose the wonder, um, I I was thinking, I mean, thanks to what you had said just before, this is at least as relevant to the, to the parent as it is to the child, right? Mm-hmm. This, this blessing that, that the parent is singing over the child is, is a blessing that JJ is singing over the parent, but you never lose this wonder. And one of your songs, you know, it, forgive me for, I, I'm probably going to butcher it, but it's sort of like, it's about recognizing the magic and the mundane and recognizing the, am I saying that right? Or, um. Big magic in the mundane, big picture in the small. Yeah, th- yeah, yeah. Big, big love in the something, something. Small moments. That's yeah, right. sorry. Yes, big, yeah. big love in the small moments. Big magic in the mundane, and um, and again, I, I think that's so much a, a, a part of every writer's job is to is to remind their readers or their listeners. This is a pretty uh, fantastical world we live in here. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. more going on with our eyeballs and the funny thing is kids just naturally know that and they're in tune with that and so I think that's part of what went behind that 
that line um, in our song, Hand to Hold, may you never lose the wonder in your soul because we know as adults how easy it is to just be task-oriented, to try to get to the next thing on the schedule, whereas children just inherently stop and marvel <laughs> at their surroundings. Yeah. And, and as a result, they experience more joy. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like in turn, recognize the presence of God. And so if, if they are to grow up and experience the fullness of life, then, then that is one of our prayers for them, that they would never lose their sense of wonder. Because I know that I can certainly benefit from allowing myself more space to experience that myself. Yeah, yeah that's great. Okay, last time you were on the Habit Podcast, you were relatively early in a project of releasing a song every month, and now you're, you're still doing it. I, I wish I had looked back and sit to see exactly how long ago you were on this podcast, but it's been well over a year. It, I know we were we were in person, so it was before March of 2020. Yeah. Um, but I think it was well before that. I think I think it was pretty far back in 2019. So anyway. You've now been doing, it's been since 2017, right? That you've been releasing a song a, 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 a week. So that's, has it been well, four the, years the, yet? The first Friday of every month. month. Sorry, I said, I said a week. Yeah, first well, Friday of every month. A, a lot to handle. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that's right. Um, yeah, I, uh, we originally started doing that because we had a garage full of CDs that were not moving and we wanted to keep making music and not making more CDs. Um, And we also thought that it was going to be an interesting experiment to allow us to write with more people and also work with more producers because it's just making us a single thing. And so, yeah, it was a small commitment. So uh we, we could work with a new producer and just say, look, we just want to make one, one song, you know, and not mm-hmm. commit to an entire like 13 song album. Um, but what we ended up finding over the years um, is that some of some of the songs that we've released that we didn't have very high expectations for kind of rose to the top in some sort of resonant frequency with with the audience and other songs that we thought were very relevant and had a lot of potential, maybe didn't necessarily land with the audience the way that we did or that we expected them to. Um, but uh, Hand to Hold is a great example. It's like um, that song was written in the spring of 2018. And this year, uh, what is it, three years later, um, it is has risen to the top of JJ's most listening to songs. And I think that that's actually a beautiful thing to me that uh, the way that the model of the industry used to be is you make this one thing and you are so precious about it because Mm -hmm. you only get this one shot and you're going to put all of your resources behind it. And if it doesn't succeed in the first two weeks, it's a flop, right? Yeah. And instead... We, we released Hand to Hold and we re- released many, many other songs. And yet Hand to Hold happened to find its place. It's, it's yeah. a, uh, 
uh, I used the word or the phrase before resonant frequency, right? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and people start to, to tell each other about this song. Um, and, and it kind of disperses. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a really refreshing thing to us because we don't have to put pressure on the moment that something comes out because we yeah. know it's a longer life cycle. That's great. Uh, I think this was in the book Art and Fear. I don't know if you've read that book or not, but but there was somebody it, it was a story about a pottery teacher, a pottery professor who did an experiment. And so for for one group of students, maybe maybe it's teaching two different sections of the same class, I don't know. And one group of students he said, "You are going to work on three pots and I want to just do the best you possibly can." on those three pots and the, and that's your, that's your grade. And the others, he said, your grade is on how many pots can you produce over the course of this semester? And, you know, don't worry about quality. It's just quantity. And they said for, for the, the better pots came out of the class that was all about quantity of just people in, in freedom saying, I'm going to make this thing. And, and there were some terrible pots made, but their but their best three were better than the three that the people were precious about. Wow. For those students. So I think well, that's I think, relevant to what you're talking about. Yeah. And I think the other part of it is we've always hated the publicity aspect of yeah. things. You know, you work on a record for a few months or a year or whatever, yeah. and then it's done. But then you hire a publicist and you come mm-hmm. up with a PR campaign and you spend thousands of dollars trying to get it out into the world and in front of people and try to get um, articles written about it and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, no matter how much money we've spent on publicity, it never does anything. Um, And it's so depressing and discouraging. And so with this model of releasing a song a month, we just put everything we have into the one song, we release it and then we're done. You know, we don't have to babysit it. We don't have to like hope that, you know, all of our efforts were worth it. We don't have to pay anybody to try to promote it. We just, we're already like on to the next thing. Like the next pot. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like what else can we make? And it's been so liberating to be able to do that. I mean, because we, that's what we love. Like we love creating the art, not trying to sell it to people Mm -hmm. and convince them of its value. Yeah. Well, that's, and, and have you, are you finding, um, I hate to be crass, but are you finding success in terms of finding more listeners and and that sort of thing? Is that, is it worked in that regard? Like insanely well, like we, we started as an experiment and we had no idea how it would work because streaming, especially Spotify, you basically get a third of a cent per every stream. Uh-huh. And so it was a little scary <laughs> saying, okay, we're going to invest all of this time and energy into streaming yeah. <laughs> and hope that all those fractions of pennies add up. But it's been incredible to see how the momentum has built because of our consistent release strategy. Yeah. I think you also, you, the songs have to be good. Yeah, they have to be like, <laughs> yeah, right, right. A, a certain level of 
proficiency. Yeah. Or, <laughs> um, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was about to go launch a Spotify campaign of my own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I think um, there there are a whole bunch of things that sort of ended up working in JJ's favor in terms of the way that this model worked out. I mean, it's like we are independent. Mm-hmm. So it means we own the intellectual property associated with our songs. We own the recordings because we're investing our own money into it. And um, but as the audience continues to grow, and in this span of time, it's grown. Uh, it's it was a little bit less than a million when we when we started per, uh, per month, a million listeners per month, and. Uh, sorry, um, it was 800,000 streams per month. Um, and last month, it was over 10 million streams, which is amazing. Wow, right? that really uh, is. But uh, the reward for that growth is to be able to pour back into creating more things. Like, uh, we don't necessarily celebrate the growth for the sake of growth. Yeah, the right. reason why we're making these songs is so that they can find their way into people's homes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what it means is we, we get to pay our collaborators well. It means yeah. we're making this orchestral record and instead of pretending to have a British boys choir on it, like JJ doing a British boys choir impression. Which we have done. <laughs> <laughs> um, like we hired a choir from Britain who is actually like going to be performing these songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those are like really fun creative endeavors and it's made possible by that growth but i i think that growth is also uh, uh we owe some of that growth to the consistency of the discipline of the sure. habit um and and uh one of my favorite places to be in the entire world is in the studio i love seeing songs come together yeah um, and the studio is an expensive place to be, um, <laughs> but but it's also kind of magic. Yeah, um, I love the idea that this model is freeing you from from having to say, you know, got to put all my eggs in this one. We've got to decide what is going to sell or whatever, and just to be free of that is just is really remarkable. I'm, well, I also think that what one other thing that's really helped is that we are no longer casting around wondering who JJ's audience is. Mm-hmm. Like to be able to say, um, you know, JJ is a mother and her audience is also mothers. And, and uh, you know, there are some guys in that audience, but mm-hmm. the most, for the most part, it's like 25 to 45 year old women um, who are in the thick of this, experience of raising little human beings and so what what do we want to say to them like some of those mothers are having trouble conceiving or had trouble conceiving or had miscarriages or have been through divorce and and like what are the experiences that people who have lived 25 to 45 years of life Mm -hmm. like that they need words for yeah. And sometimes it has to do with raising little people, but sometimes it has to do with their emotional journey mm-hmm. um, or their spiritual development and, and these different things. And so we can write very specifically to them and 
understand that like that's a niche like we're not writing breakup songs for teenagers um yeah but uh there's something about finding that audience and realizing that the music music is resonating the messages are resonating with that audience to know like oh we can keep serving these people and keep doing it well yeah well great that's this is this is I don't know. Hearing about these good things happening for y'all is making me happy to even think about. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's Spotify just seems it's, it's been such a uh, a uh, bet noir for for musicians. You know, there've there been so many. You know, I, 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 it's been fun to see different musicians figure out different ways. It's like, okay, all right, I know a third of a cent isn't much, but I can figure out how to how to make this work. Totally. And it just forces you to pivot. And for us, because we're independent, because we have such a small operation, we're able to do that really easily mm-hmm. to just like uh, try and experiment <laughs> yeah. of releasing a song every month and see and see if it works. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really paid off for us. I mean, and I think the other really beautiful thing about streaming is you can serve a niche audience mm-hmm. and still exist. Yeah. Um, like you, it, it's not, you have to be on the radio or else you don't have a career. Yeah. The gatekeepers are not keeping creators away to the same degree. It, like the power has shifted to the audience now. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's an exciting place to be. It's easier than ever to reach an audience, mm-hmm. um, but you also have to compete with millions of other artists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, y'all. I always end these conversations. I, I didn't warn you ahead of time, but maybe you remember from last time. I, I don't know if I, I maybe I hadn't started asking this question when y'all were on last time. But who are the writers who make you want to write and keep doing what you do? Ooh. Um, I, this might be controversial, but I really love the way that Anne Lamott writes. Mm -hmm. Um, Just so conversational. Yeah. And I think that's so helpful for me to, to read, especially because when I first started writing songs, I literally grabbed a thesaurus and was trying to find fancier words to say Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. ordinary things. And, and I think what Anne reminds me is you can describe these everyday experiences in a way that sheds new light on them. Um, yeah. And it's kind of, you know, that whole big magic in the mundane yeah. idea. Um, I think Bird by Bird is just yeah. might be the best thing about writing I've ever, I've ever read. I think it's just so fantastic. Yeah. So I, I really love, I love her. Yeah. I uh, I make a uh, kind of a tradition of going through the Lord of the Rings every couple of years, uh-huh. um, and it's not it's not the kind of writing that typically ends up in JJ's songs, yeah, right? But there's it's so clear to me how much Tolkien paid attention to life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, 
my daughter and I just finished um, the Fellowship of the Ring. She's experiencing it for the first time. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and he was saying something about like the waves stretching out in, in endless lines or, so, or something like that. And it was, it was just the kind of thing that I just really, really appreciated. Yeah. Um, and, and so I can't help but be inspired yeah. when I find myself reading his, his books over and over again. Yeah, I know what you mean. He's, I, 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 here's this fantastical world that then that feels so much like the world that we, I mean, it, and it sort of textures feels like our, obviously the orcs don't feel like our world. Have you ever seen that, that, uh, that uh, bit from his, uh, uh, from Tolkien's journal where he says something like, um, well, I got, um, I got Sam and Frodo to Mordor today in my writing. And then this afternoon I mowed the grass <laughs> That's sort of back and forth between the fantastical and just the writer still got a mow his grass, man. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I love that so much. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks so much for being here. This has been a lot of fun. Sure. Thanks yeah. for having us. This podcast is brought to you by The Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. And all our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com. And to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate. Special thanks as well to Taylor Linhart for letting us use her song Diamonds as the theme music for season three of The Habit Podcast. You can learn more about Taylor and follow her work at taylorlinhart.com. The Habit Membership is a library of resources for writers by me, Jonathan Rogers. More importantly, The Habit is a hub of community where like-minded writers gather to discuss their work and give each other a little more courage. Find out more at thehabit.co.